0: What's up, guys, and welcome back to the You Know Adam Sane Podcast, where you get to know a little bit more about people, passions, and all things business. Super excited today to be interviewing Miss Catherine Blake. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. I'm excited to be here. You're not going to make me sing or anything, are you? No,
0: maybe. Do you like to sing?
1: It's not like we're in that, it's not like the car show. No, no, no. Right? Where we get in the car? I don't know that one. Oh, you (laughs) don't? What is that? (laughs) (laughs)
0: Miss <laughs> Catherine, you have been involved with a, a lot of different organizations out there, uh, namely from the uh, Microsoft side of things, IBM. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have worked with CEOs across the world. Uh, super excited to have you on the show and very curious about kind of like, you know, your story, how you got there, so forth and so on.
1: Yeah, so, wow, it's a long story. How okay. Much, how much time do we have?
0: We have about. Uh, we have all day, right? Yes, that's right. That's right.
1: <laughs> yeah, so um, where do I begin? I started my career in tech, and working for a big corporate giants, and found my way into a tech startup before that went under. <laughs> and that was all up in the Boston area. And then after, it was sort of that pivot point after 9 11. I think a lot of us were re evaluating our, our lives and our values and taking stock. And so my husband and I re, we actually relocated north of, further north of Boston. And I started my own consulting business and then got on board with the local university, the University of New Hampshire in their business college, launched a center there, started teaching as an adjunct and, um, Found my way back to Georgia.
0: Back to Georgia. So you back started to, Yeah, out
1: I started in Atlanta.
0: Okay. So yeah. you were born in Atlanta.
1: Started in Atlanta, relocated to New England, and boomeranged back.
0: Very nice. Well, we're glad did, to have you back.
1: Did you like the boomerang part? I love the boomerang okay. part. All right. You can steal that. That's
0: right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. So what kind of pulled you to tech in the first place?
1: So growing up in Atlanta... I mean, it's it actually is a cool story. So growing up in Atlanta, we had a couple of major headquarters for IBM, literally right in our backyard. So IBM chose Atlanta for that, you know, it was a big multinational company. It was a strategic place to put a, you know, a headquarters and a significant location for executives in that city.
0: When was this, the time period?
1: So this was, well, I was still in high school. Got you. Yeah. Absolutely,
0: Atlanta at that point was already starting to grow. Oh yeah, oh
1: yeah. Atlanta was has always been, you know, sort of a hub for the southeast. Mm -hmm. And so my neighbors worked for the company, and I remember, I literally remember out jogging one day, talking to one of my neighbors. He's like, "Yeah, you should really think about." He's like, "What do you want to do with your life?" And I said, "Well, I want to see the world." And he said, "Well, join a join a global company," and so it was my goal to join. A global company so when I got it when I went to college in the Boston area I made it a point of getting internships from day one mm-hmm. so by the time I graduated I had four years of internships gotcha. with major brands okay and it put me in a more competitive place to land a job with a multinational when upon graduation as if anyone has a college son or daughter or is or is at that point in their their lives um, having that experience under your belt before you graduate, go out there and interview, makes a huge difference.
0: So so get your internships. Everybody. So get your internships, <laughs> definitely. Very nice. And
1: yeah, so I ended up landing with IBM
0: Right out the gate.
1: Right out the gate. Was that
0: typical at that point? where well, there were a lot of people that were able to just kind of like walk into, waltz into IBM and get well, a position? Well,
1: at that time, the unemployment rate was 9.5%. Okay. I was in Boston where you had, it's a major university town. And every university, every May, pumps out mm-hmm. thousands of really qualified candidates. Mm-hmm. And some of these companies were basically taking their pick from the Ivies and ignoring, you know, so it was really super competitive.
0: Got gotcha. you. So but you were able to do it.
1: I was able to fight my way in. That's awesome. Yeah, in a in a down economy.
0: What what was IBM like when you were when you first entered?
1: It see what's interesting is very diverse, very international our office was diverse. I mean, you just knew going in, you weren't just working for a local company, Mm -hmm. you're working for a global company. Yeah. So I I sort of had my first experience with, you know, working in a diverse environment and understanding how important that is from the beginning. Mm
0: What what uh what type, was that different than, you know, you had multiple different internships at this point, mm-hmm. but IBM was the first place where you had like, you know, just multiple different, I guess, races that were working there yeah. so on and so on.
1: Yeah, we had, I mean, we had women in senior executive mm-hmm. positions. We had a um, culturally and racially diverse executive team. It was quite amazing. We had people actually... Re- relocate from South Africa because South Africa during apartheid they literally had a shareholder vote to close that office and so people were being relocated out for their personal safety.
0: And did you get your opportunity to travel because I did. that was what you what you wanted to do?
1: Yeah, so not so much of that. Well, there yes, nationally, but I did end up getting, you know, staying in the tech industry and Ended up with a another smaller global company and traveled to, you know, Australia, Europe, South America. Uh, I'm trying to think of where else. Everywhere. Iceland. Yeah. Everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing.
0: Where? What? Uh, you know, during all of this professionally, mm-hmm. um, where did you want to? What did you want to develop? How did you want to develop?
1: So. It was always global, you know, global business. Um, my, I, I have a passion for sales and marketing. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of the trajectory. And so I, I sort of stayed in that, but in that vertical tech industry.
0: Mm-hmm. And you had, I, I guess you, you uh, grew as the tech industry, because this was the heyday of the boom.
1: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Were you there when the, the bubble kind of like popped?
1: It yeah, it did that a few times. Gotcha. Multiple <laughs> it, times. It did that a few times, just depending on either the economy or emerging technology.
0: And and so from from your standpoint, when you're when you're going through that, I guess how does how does a company react to those type of things when, you know, the world is kind of like in in this like, you know, the stock market's free falling or yeah. how, how does the company react to that?
1: Well, I think companies are getting better at reacting to that. In fact, there's something called the Business Roundtable that, that is being organized through Fortune magazine. And what they've done is taken the top 25 leaders, uh, corporate leaders in America and brought them together to, to talk about, you know, how does shareholder or what, you know, how does shareholder value play into the business, their business agenda? Mm-hmm. And because being a employee in a revenue based business or on the revenue side of the house and being, you know, really the behavior of senior management had a lot to do with the market. Mm -hmm. So they would lay off entire divisions Mm -hmm. because the you know the market turned there was a downturn in the market. So so having said that, uh I think now they're less reactive and they're looking more at the longer term. And what they're trying to do is pull together leadership in a cohort to say okay, what are we doing about sustainability? What are we doing about diversity? What are we doing about really building the economy? And obviously we have to satisfy our shareholders, but we also have to make sure that we're hiring the best people, keeping them engaged, and really growing the economy. So I feel like the the business agenda has changed a bit for the better.
0: Mm-hmm. That's great. You know, uh, one of the questions I have is, you know, when you are traversing through, you know, this time when you're working with all these different companies, Mm -hmm. what was kind of your bread and butter? Where, where were you most effective at or where were you called to do? Were you kind of like, was it just, you know, uh, whatever you wanted to do or was there like a specific task that you were always brought in to handle?
1: I, well, that's okay. Um, yes. (laughs) So, <laughs> okay. Yes is the, yes could, is the answer. I could, yeah, you asked me about five questions and sure, like, Sorry. Sorry. Okay, sorry. which, sorry, which sorry, one sorry. am I going to answer? <laughs> but I'm going to take the toughest question. Sure. So, so what happened, so as a global, so I eventually worked myself into a role as a global account manager with an internet company. Okay. And without going into all the details of the company, um, what they discovered, and I didn't even know I had it myself, but what they discovered about me was I had the ability to turn accounts around. So we had a few people that were, a few salespeople that were kind of churning and burning, and they weren't as interested in, in the company's growth and development. Development, mm-hmm. yeah, as they were in their own personal paychecks. And so I just took a a different approach to the client to say, you know, the client, if the client isn't successful, if we're not adding value to their business, then we really don't deserve to be there. And we're, it's a highly competitive industry. And so we have to earn our way in there every day. And we Mm -hmm. have to earn our, our place at their table every single day. And so with that spirit, what was happening is certain, some of my peers were being removed from accounts and they were putting me on those accounts and I was going into those accounts and so sometimes doubling and tripling their business. Wow. And that required a lot of hard work. And, you know, there was a year or so where I didn't even hit my revenue target, but they took care of me mm-hmm. because they knew that I was keeping them from lawsuits you know preventing lawsuits uh where the client was so upset that they were just ready to throw it over the wall to their counsel and you know somebody had to go in there and say okay let's just be honest here we we made some mistakes and we're gonna we're gonna get this fixed for you
0: what do you think causes that because I mean every company goes through this period Mm -hmm. of time that, that sometimes you know the the employees are more interested in their self right you know what 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 they get from it yeah as opposed to the benefit of the company how come you you've been able to take an approach where you care more about the betterment of the company what is your i guess stance on that
1: yeah i i guess my stance on it is it's not about me mm. you know it's really not about me it it yes i enjoy having a good lifestyle but at the end of the day, it's it's more about having impact. And I would say I've defined my life around impact and making a difference and serving. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how I live and I lead mm-hmm. as best as I can.
0: And so you were would would you be responsible of potentially taking people that don't have that type of mentality and, you know, maybe potentially shifting them to something that is more impactful? Or do you think, I, I guess my my question is, you yeah. know, when you're dealing with maybe people that have that type of mentality, mm-hmm. is there no hope for them?
1: I, I think there's always hope. Okay, that's, yeah. a, good, that's yeah. a good thing. I, I always think there's hope. I think that it, you can't really tell someone to care, but I think you can lead by example. Mm. And... I feel like with enough leadership development mm-hmm. that a lot of people just aren't, they don't have role models, mm-hmm. they don't have good role models and so if they go to enough leadership training and they look at these at these amazing leaders where it's not just about what's in their bank account or what they've generated. But it's about the character of that person mm-hmm. and, and the impact that they've had. So yes, the success they've, they've perhaps had in business or in whatever they're leading, but also the impact they've had and mm-hmm. what everyone else says about them—the mm-hmm. indelible mark. Yeah, the indelible mark that they're leaving on their in their corporate cultures and their in their communities and their in their circles. And so if we can try to put more examples out there and and mentor people and, and bring people along. Mm. I feel like that can shift things. But if if their if their examples are boiler boiler room <laughs> <Yeah. That's
0: laughs> then
1: right. then that's that's all they know.
0: That's right. Right. That's so. right. Wow, that's that's extremely powerful, you know, uh, being being placed into those difficult situations where you have, like, a client that is flipping out. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, being able to assess the situation and also bring value and ultimately changing that for the positive for our organization. That's extremely, extremely powerful. And then you took that, that same kind of mentality, and then you started going off on your own to develop what? Like, you said you have two consulting companies.
1: Right. So yeah, so after the whole nine eleven thing, the dot the dot com that went under and um and actually I'm gonna answer a different question okay, that you, you haven't yeah, yes. asked because you're reminding me of something really important. Of course. So I always ask when I meet entrepreneurs, you know, what inspired you to start your company? And one of the things that happened to me throughout this, you know, to, in my career up until that point is there was a lot of corporate I'm going to call it white-collar crime, for lack of a better What does better. that mean? Well, what it means is I worked for a couple of companies where literally the things they were doing were illegal. Oh, wow. And one of them ended up in a triple class-action lawsuit. Another one ended up, literally, the employees are sitting there and the sheriff is driving up to the front of the building to come in and serve papers to the CEO. The CFO's already boarded a plane for to, Florida to, 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 go, to, to get away. To get away. And, um, they had, they had artificially put, pushed the stock price up. Oh, wow. And before the end of the year where, you know, there was this whole rally. And then after the end of the year, one of them had planned on resigning. Yeah. Stepping out. And they had already hired a new person.
0: Did the employees know? that, we, that what we-, we
1: had no idea wow. so I guess the point is uh, you know we're all hardworking showing up honest hardworking people yeah and they're lining their pockets and, and you know I mean it's 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 okay to assume wealth if you're doing it honestly but but what they were doing was actually I mean the shareholders got the shareholders sued the company mm. it you know and sued the you know they went after the executive so that was one example the startup, Ended up getting in trouble with the Secretary of State's office, Mm -hmm. and I guess it was the second time this particular group had been hauled into. Yeah. So 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 these. How do you get
0: into trouble with this? That doesn't sound. Yeah.
1: Well, well, no. Basically, it's it's whether it's Department of Revenue issues or taxes or well, it it could be that, but it also could be how you're how you're representing your books and both mm-hmm. were share, were uh, publicly held or had public stock. So mm-hmm. it's playing games with with reality. Wow. And anyway, all of that caused me, I was just, it just made me so angry mm-hmm. and I thought, you know what, I, I'm gonna actually start a business where we're ethical and where I'm gonna teach business development people and sales people and, and coach them and mentor them on how to how to get ahead and how to achieve doing it honestly and ethically and and putting literally and, I, and this may shock people but you know putting the revenue target aside for a second and just going in and going okay I want to understand what your need is and what you're trying to do with your business and figure out if I'm if we're even the right resource mm-hmm. and then if we are we're going to do everything we can to help you, and if we're not, we're going to find you the best people because we're super networked. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, of course, you get referred to everybody. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't even the original intention, That's but right. anyway.
0: So you started that, and then I mean, it just took off.
1: Right? Yeah it t- yeah it it took off.
0: Mm-hmm. And this was still in, is this in Boston?
1: Uh, This was actually when I relocated to New Hampshire, which is like literally throw a stone. It's like an hour north of of downtown Boston. So
0: you were developing this and then you got pulled into a campus there.
1: Yeah. So I hired an intern to help me with Salesforce.com. Okay. And the intern knew nothing. (laughs) It was getting ready to graduate. And I'm uh-huh. like, what are you gonna do with your life? I don't know. Well, do you have a resume? Well, not really. And I'm like, you're graduating in four months. Did that blow your mind since it you were blew, so it, you were so prepared. It at blew thing. my mind. So I called the university and I'm like, I'll spend a Saturday yeah. with your students okay. for free. Yes. I'll put together a seminar, bring them in. And I will, I will give them some pointers to mm-hmm. get them ready. So they looked at me and they're like, would you like to teach a class?
0: After after the, after you, Ted did. No, no, no. Oh, even said, before. They, yeah, they
1: said, forget the seminar. Would you like to teach a class? I'm like, sure. So they said, how would you like to teach sales? Sales management, I'm like, they don't even know how to sell. Yeah. Like, they need to learn how to sell themselves sure. first, so. Anyway, so uh, I said, "Well, why don't we?" They're like, "Well, why don't they can pick a product?" I'm like, "No, they need mm-hmm. to sell themselves, and why don't we have it? They sell themselves to land a job, so they are the product." Love that. And so we developed. I put this class together. We did a pilot mm-hmm. over the summer in case it bombed, nobody would know.
0: <laughs> good, good strategy. Yeah, the good, good strategies. <laughs> so,
1: like so, so the class was called. How to how to land a job in a difficult economy? Mm-hmm. Well, the next thing I know, I'm being interviewed by the
0: news. Wow!
1: And because the economy was horrible, at that moment, yeah, that. it was you know back to that kind of ebb and flow. The economy was horrible. They were pumping out good, excited business students, and uh, getting hit with getting the hit realities. with the reality of there's no jobs. So um, yeah, the next thing I know, I find myself on the news. Then I got asked to speak on a cable channel, the oh, New wow. England Job Network. And then I got invited to Harvard you know, University's Office of Career Services and gave a seminar down there and got on all these networks. And, and it was just sort of you know, this perpetual, and it wasn't my business at all, but I was teaching the class and it, it just, kind of the word, got, I got asked to speak all over. And, People just wanted to know, you know, how can I differentiate myself? Mm-hmm. And part of that message was, is, you know, show up and and be authentic and care.
0: Well, I think there's a big question in here. Yeah. And, and you know, maybe you can shed some light on it. When you were getting done with college, you had mm-hmm. actually done all this prep work to get right. ready for the outside. Yeah. What, what do you think shifted between the time that you graduated and the time that you saw these interns right coming in with zero experience like yeah and i think it's it's actually something that is overall like Mm -hmm. even even right now like i don't think that i was working but i didn't get an internship before before i left college what do you think changed
1: i wish i could tell you Mm -hmm. i i i'm not really sure i'm not really sure what changed okay and and maybe it's because i'm on my own journey and i don't you know, I don't know, but um, I'm not really sure.
0: Yeah, that's okay. So, you know, for, for you, after you get all these opportunities to, you know, talk on TV and, and and do all these different things, what next happens for you? Does that impact your business at all, being being kind of like a, a public figure that people are going to in terms of, like, knowledge for this?
1: It, honestly, it didn't impact my business because my business was sales and marketing consulting mm-hmm and training so all this all this all these things I was doing for these students did not hit my personal bottom line okay but I wasn't about that I was about impact you felt that yeah I I was I was that's where it hit yeah it was about a movement Mm -hmm. to focus on preparing students and since then all these all the groundwork has actually grown into a sales minor. Has grown into a robust center. I mean, all the things that got going
0: during the period of time when, when I when there. I started and Love launched that. it Love are that.
1: are continuing. So, yeah.
0: And and for you to have that type of impact, I mean, how does that make you feel?
1: I I guess it. I mean, it makes me feel like it was all worth the effort. Mm-hmm. And when I have people that stay in touch with me that I haven't seen for 10 plus years.
0: Because, because of that?
1: Yeah. I mm-hmm. guess, you know, when you invest in people and they, they know you care, mm-hmm. it's not for your personal gain, but you, per, you care enough about them to want them to succeed, it, it makes a huge difference.
0: I love that. Yeah. I love that.
1: And in a weird way, I guess it's, I, in a strange way, I think it's legacy building as is, is small as that is
0: so let's kind of deep dive I know I know you have like an entire course built out for this yes but you know for you how do you you know if you were maybe some graduates are, are watching right now mm-hmm. um, that are that are in college how do you lay down a good foundation for them what are the things that they should be looking out for in order to be prepared for the job market currently?
1: Yeah, definitely for university students and even for alums. So even if alums, a lot of universities, if you're a recent alum, you can actually go back to career services. I think the career services on most college campuses I've experienced are amazing. Mm. They're good, solid people. They care about students. They really are in it. To see those students succeed, the problem is there are not enough of them. Mm. So you've got stretched maybe super thin. yeah they're stretched super thin. So step one would be leverage every career service opportunity you have. They offer training, they have open houses, they have career days, they, you name it. Uh, take advantage of every single one of those. And in addition to that, leadership training. Mm. So people forget about that, but take most campuses have leadership programs, have leadership training. Some of them are very competitive to get into. That would be the second. And the third would be etiquette. So business etiquette. A lot of literally when you're invited out on a job interview and you're brought to dine and you're like, oh, they, they put the interview right around lunch and then they invited me to lunch. They just want to see if you
0: really... Oh yeah. how, like how how you how you present yourself How
1: you conduct yourself So
0: I sh- should probably stop stuffing my face with with food during, Yeah don't don't
1: <laughs> no more scooping Adam You know what scooping is What is that shoveling No more shoveling <laughs> no shoveling. Okay. stop that. I love stop it. that. Okay.
0: Okay. I'll stop, I'll, I'll stop that. I'll, I'll put a pin in that one. That's
1: right. That's
0: right. I love that. Yeah. Uh, but,
1: but yeah, the etiquette, the business etiquette, mm-hmm. the dining etiquette, the, the protocols, all of that is really important to our personal and professional success.
0: You, you mentioned a lot about leadership training, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and I've experienced some of your, your leadership training personally, which, oh, is, yeah. which is phenomenal. Yeah. Thank you. Um,
1: well it, it's been fun has it been fun yeah yeah you're, you're extremely challenging you, you 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 bring you bring a light and a spark is that what it to, is yes and the charisma I guess that's the, way to define is the it. charisma no you're you're a joy thank you, thank you a so joy. much I yep. appreciate that
0: um you know for you how how did you know was that something that was existing even back in the day like when you were first starting out like did you know that that was going to be something that you were going to continuously develop even at your internships when you were in college
1: well so i stumbled upon leadership mm. and because you you sort of i think you sort of start your career and you just start working and then you know for a lot of people they're they're kind of waiting for somebody to you know promote them and mm-hmm. what Somehow I figured out early on, I've got to take control of this. And if I'm not getting, particularly in a multinational company, when you're a recent college graduate, uh, you have to find other opportunities to develop leadership. Mm -hmm. So I started getting involved in nonprofits. And through nonprofits, you you can literally build a career in leadership by volunteering with a nonprofit. So I found myself on a board of a nonprofit, and they ended up putting me in as president. And this was a boys and girls club north of Boston. Okay. And we were in a crisis situation. So I learned really fast how to deal with, you know, crisis management. And, of course, this is an organization where you've got you've got. Department of Family and Children Services involved, you've got, you know, there's all these stakeholders, and it was a very delicate balance, and we had to keep it afloat, because these children literally, literally would have nowhere to go after school, mm. because their parents were working, they're in single-parent households, they're many living, you know, were like at the poverty level, and we had to keep the doors open,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so... You know, I'm working full time. I was in a graduate program. <laughs> I'm trying to save this this boys and girls club. Mm-hmm. And that probably, you know, that experience plus a few others after that probably taught me more about leadership mm-hmm. than you know sitting through a training class. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it's also interesting because it is volunteer work. You yeah. know, there's not a monetary Right, like thing that's attached to that. So right. you have to do it because you're passionate about it. Exactly. Um, I think that, you know, in this day and age when it's so, imp- like, you know, that that number, right, like how much you're making or whatever mm-hmm. it is, is, is so important to people that I think they lose sight of what really the company is there for. Yeah. Um, And I think that, you know, you, you mentoring people mm-hmm. in order to get them to see past Mm -hmm. The dollar signs, right? Extremely powerful. Yeah.
1: Well, and the other the other cool thing about volunteer work and volunteerism is, in in any kind of work environment, people are paid to follow you. Mm -hmm. They may be paid to give you platitudes. In a leader, in a volunteer environment, if you look behind you and no one's following you, you know you're probably not leading too well. So it's truly the litmus test for our leadership capabilities.
0: Mm-hmm. I see.
1: And it's not it's not smooth sailing.
0: How do you how do you define a good leader? To
1: me a good leader it's all about being a servant leader. Mm. It's about serving others. It's it's kind of working at the you know, you're working behind the team. You're you're there to support them mm-hmm. and to raise up other leaders.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, for you, uh, for those that maybe haven't heard the term servant leader mm-hmm. before, uh, I know that there's a book out there. Yeah, uh, that what's great book. I, I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but how, if you can get a, like a, a definition of what servant leadership means to you, what would that be?
1: It's putting the needs of others before your own, and it goes against our human nature in some ways mm-hmm. because you know those of us who are who are driven and you we're know, driven to goal oriented and achievement oriented. We want to be out in front. And, and in a way it's going, okay, I need to be, I need to, you know, your success means more to me than my own. Love and that. if you're successful, then I've done my job. You know, and then, and then even more, if you then go on
0: to do it for somebody, to else. do it
1: for somebody else, because where they're, where there is knowledge, you know, where, where somebody's invested in us, we now have a responsibility to invest in somebody else.
0: What, what percentage of like companies out there mm-hmm. have, you know, this type of model versus the old school model of like where the CEOs are <laughs> embezzling or, you know, yeah. like, like what, what would you say? What, what's the trend? I,
1: I, I really don't know. Mm-hmm. I feel like what happens in a lot of companies is they they take what they call the high potential, the high pose is the kind of the acronym, mm-hmm. the high potential, and they sort of pull them off to the side and they go, hey, Adam, we're going to put you through this fast track program, okay? okay? And so they're kind of pulled off and they're put into a special group and then they go on a rotation so we're going to teach you accounting, and we're going to teach you management. And we're going to so they they would rotate you almost like an intern through for like a year, so mm-hmm. you learn every aspect of the business. And then they're going to say, "Yeah, you really had a a strength in accounting, so we're going to put you over here." And but you're going to be on you're going to be in a special category as a fast track up to the executive ranks. Mm-hmm. So, but then everyone else just kind of comes in and <laughs> does their job. So for a lot of people. They have to seek it out themselves.
0: Sure. So, to, so, you're talking about like how people get up to the the executive level,
1: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so for most, for I guess my advice to anyone is find like make it your personal plan to carve out a certain number of days a year for leadership development. Mm-hmm. And be a lifelong learner. Mm-hmm. Never stop. Never stop reading. Never stop going to seminars. Never stop seeking out opportunities to lead and to learn.
0: Where where do people go for that? Like, you know, for leadership training, if you will. So
1: one of my favorites is the Global Leadership Network. And it's out of Chicago. And they... Uh, it's a it's been going on for about 25 years. It is a satellite broadcast. It's a global satellite broadcast. Not What's everybody that mean? uh, meaning that they're broadcasting live from Chicago. OK. And so you've got like South Africa and they're downlinking to certain locations, universities, schools, businesses, you. churches, you know, whoever wants to sort of. Um, provide the the signal, and they would gather local people there to watch. To watch, and then they're mm-hmm. all on this this sort of global network. But then they bring up a lineup of speakers, and it's two intensive days wow. of participating in this program.
0: Does it feel like you know? Does it have this TED Talk type esque feel, or what? What is what I, does it look? I what does think it feel it, like? I think
1: it it is not just sort of the it. it you know ted talk T- ted talks have a formula i'm not knocking them they're, they're great yeah, like we all love them right i love them yeah, yeah. we all love them <laughs> but they have a formula Sure. and these these some are done in an interview format mm-hmm. some are done where they they just speak or they you know they get up and they teach but it also gets into the fact that we're not one dimensional mm-hmm. you know we are both spiritual and we're you know we're both working from our mind but we're also working from you know from the heart and mm-hmm. from our core beliefs and our behaviors and our leadership really stems from here, from mm-hmm. the heart, and and where and that drives our behaviors. Mm-hmm. And so and that's not something that you can fake.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? And that's right. you've met leaders who even executive coaches will try to coach executives on being you know, showing a kinder side of themselves. Well, if it doesn't exist, they can't really fake it. <laughs>
0: it's not one of those fake it till you it's make not, it scenarios? It's not a
1: fake it till you make it. So it, it sort of, t- I, what I like about that particular program is it really takes the whole dimension, you know, the, the full dimension of a, a person into mm-hmm. account mm-hmm. and not just how you behave at work. You know, it's really about your whole your whole life mm-hmm. but in terms of other leadership development most universities have professional leadership development even if it's through, even if it's through an extension program mm-hmm. there's of course lots of books and lots of information online um i don't love all of it mm-hmm. but there's some great ones out
0: there that's awesome what's the future hold what are you what are you doing currently and you know what does the next What's the next challenge that you're going to be facing?
1: Yeah, so right now it's my privilege to represent Georgia Southern at go the Go Eagles. Go Eagles. I know, you know what? I have eagle blood now. That's right. I'm really excited. Let's go. Oh, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Um, yeah, so I'm excited to have a, an infusion of eagle blood. Okay. And yeah, so uh, representing Georgia Southern University's Business Innovation Group is the accelerator manager where I'm working with the with the top tier clients to help them launch their business into the next phase, including Mr. Adam Sang. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, yep, who it's been just a joy to work with. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) so I totally do. I totally (laughs) do, you're the best. And um, in addition, when I relocated back to Georgia, I was having trouble finding other professional women Mm because I'm living on the coast, I'm not in Atlanta. So I launched the Institute for Executive Women to really provide leadership development, mentoring, and community building, and really connecting women to each other. Mm-hmm. And so launched that. We've got a global network going. Wow. And Global. Global, yes. Global. Global, yes. In fact, as soon as COVID hit, we were meeting in person on the coast. And as soon as COVID hit, we just hit a switch and we went to virtual. And that grew, it grew. What happened was people were now stuck at home. Mm -hmm. And so we started pulling in speakers from different areas of the country. And so one of the speakers I had met in Boston, she's from Nigeria. She, she was a Nigerian, it's a crazy story. She was a Nigerian housewife Her husband was working in tech, and so he was commuting to South Africa, in in the tech industry. Commuting, okay. Commuting, yeah, that's (laughs) what they do in Africa. They get on a plane and they commute halfway across the continent. And so she she started getting into film, and she started getting into women and children's literacy. And she's like, you know what? I want to do more. I think I'll apply to Harvard. She applied to Harvard, got into Harvard, got her got her um, what? Well, I think she got her graduate degree. Uh, decided to go to, apply to Oxford, applied to Oxford, got into Oxford, <laughs> now she's working at Oxford. Makes it seem so easy, huh? She's just, she's awesome. just an extraordinary, and so now she's, they've, she's in charge of this program through the continent of Africa, helping with women and children's literacy, which is her passion. Mm-hmm. So I met her in Boston, and we've stayed connected, and I, I Reached out to her and I said, "Hey, how would you like to speak for the Institute for Executive Women?" Would love to. Uh huh. Would love to. Okay. In the British accent. <laughs> and so, so we got her on the uh, we got her on one of our video calls, our uh-huh. Women's Power Breakfast. The next thing I knew, I had all the women in Nigeria on the call. Love All it. the women in the UK, Canadians. We've got a lady in Iceland uh-huh. down the East Coast, back into Georgia. So it just turned into this whole international. And then they stayed with us. Mm-hmm.
0: Through through all of it.
1: Yeah, through all of it. Through awesome. through the different seminars and events that we had. So it was pretty incredible.
0: Well, Miss Catherine, I, I wanted to thank you for your time. I, sure. I mean, for me I think that the the work that you put into the world is oh, so valuable. Thank you. Right. You know, thank being you. able to make a change in people people's lives and you know, unfortunately, that had to come at the expense of you experiencing some maybe not so great things during your yeah. career. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the end result is that you are putting out just good into the world. And I um, I, I am very thankful for that. I, that's the way that I run my businesses. That's the way I, I believe that, you know, things should work. Business doesn't have to be this really, like, tricky and foxy and conniving, like, who, who can, you know, yeah. outdo each other. I yeah. think it could be really powerful to do good for the world. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, and I wanted to thank you for that. Thank but, you. Um, appreciate you coming to the show. Yeah. Thank you for dropping some bombs of knowledge. How do people get in touch with you?
1: Yeah. So um, you can either reach me at Georgia Southern's Business Innovation Group or on LinkedIn, Catherine Blake or Catherine with a C or through the Institute for Executive Women.
0: Thank you for your time.
1: Thank you, Adam. I appreciate it. I had fun.
0: I had fun too. Did you have fun? I had an awesome time. Yeah, you're awesome. Thank you. Are we done? I think we're done. Uh, have you cut? Not yet.
1: Oh. Should I smile? You can. I you Thanks, everyone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How did I look? Was this you look the, good. Was this the right? Green was the color. Was the right color?
0: Green for money. <laughs>
1: That's awesome. Wait, we missed. Cool. you the show. You're hilarious. Thank you.